Listen, players. <laughs> You're listening to the Movement, Strength and Play podcast by the School of Calisthenics. Here are your hosts, Tim and Jacko. Today we have a very exciting day for the podcast, going back to our roots but upgrading things. It's back to our roots in terms of the podcast started as a Q&A and that's exactly what we're doing. But the excitement comes, we are doing this live. So as you listen to this back, this was a live recording done by uh, those that joined via YouTube. And we were doing more of these. So if you haven't been over to our YouTube channel, subscribe. Make sure you do go to the YouTube channel, subscribe. There'll be a link in the show notes for that um, so that you don't miss any further ones that we do. Um, And it's your chance to join in on the conversation, ask your questions live. And um, it's something that was great fun to get back to, wasn't it, Tim? Yeah, I, was, I couldn't help as you were talking about that. I had the <laughs> Return of the Mac from by Mark Morrison just playing <laughs> yes. in my head. If you if you're born after the 1990s and you'd not heard that one, just go and put it on your in your, uh, your music player. You'll enjoy that. Um, yeah, no, I loved it. I, I really have always enjoyed these Q and A's because it just gives us opportunity, guys. Kind of just wax lyrical a little bit and um, and get some questions and give people some value, which I hope is actually really going to help to improve their trading progress. So if yeah. you've got questions, we give you the details at the end. You can send them through to us directly. You can come and join us on the YouTube live um, if you can make it. But we're gonna yeah we're gonna rekindle. The, um, the the Q&A sessions and, and yeah. hopefully that would be of interest and value maybe yeah. they won't all be quite as long we we had to feel a way out this is we were it was our first time you remember back to the last time you had a first time then it was a bit <laughs> like that with fingers and thumbs <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank, big thanks to everyone that joined. Um, and yes, there were some technical difficulties at the beginning, uh, which obviously is cut out of this podcast. But those that stayed on the YouTube and, and stuck with us got into the meat and, uh, of it. <laughs> and the great thing about... Then Tim's laughing because there was some technical difficulties. But yeah, the great thing um, about the Q&As done like this, in the past it was like people had sent in questions and we read them out. Um, this is literally live. That live interaction that we get with you is... Uh, yeah, we love that. And so thank you for those that did join. We hope that lots of you uh, can also join us again in the future on the next one. Um, The date, just head over to our YouTube and you'll see uh, when the next one is going to be available. Right, let's get into it. It's a QA and a and it's live, as we've said a number of times. And I am going to pass it over to Jacko to say... Roll that jingle. very excited to be live obviously i'll try and dull the 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 volume down to engage my excitement but um yeah we've got new technology and obviously we had some technical issues but we've got past those now and um you are able to join us live so if you have any questions about training about the podcast about tim's hair how he stays so looking so young whatever it may be if it's something to do with the scorecast, the next ideally <laughs> would help. Um, then put those in the comments, those that are watching live on YouTube. Uh, we do have a question though to kick it off, and it was one that came in. I forget, and apologies, I forget who sent this in. It was a little while ago. Um, but it was a, a quite a very good question, actually, one that there was a bit of a joke question, but that's just potentially some depth to it. They said, um, Do you guys still use weights at all anymore? And, and the joke part of it is they said they followed it up with going, even if it's just like, if you've got some old weights that you like prop your door open with or do, maybe it's part of your podcast studio or something. And um, it was a bit of a joke, but at the same time, actually quite interesting because, um, yes, we do predominantly body weight training and we are utilizing our own body weight and, and all the goodness that comes out of that in terms of calisthenics training. 
but there's also um, a time and a place for different uh, tools to help us with our training. Sometimes that's a resistance band, but sometimes that might be a weight and there's different reasons why we might use weights as part of our training. And I'm not talking about just um, a weighted vest to try and make uh, my pull-up strength be stronger. I'm talking a little bit, probably uh, Tim will want to touch back, touch on like lower body wise for that. Uh, but there's also like, how do we use it from a sort of, uh, injury prevention and rehab or prehab style uh, training where we do utilize small little weights not just as a, a prop for the door but actually something that can be good for us so do you want to kick off with do you or answer this first just answer the question straight do you still use weights at all timbo yes <gasps> shock horror i know um <clears throat> where should we go with this one first let's define i think let's 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 frame it Within when we're talking about weights, as what we mean by weights, and what yeah. we what I mean when I say do I still use weights, I mean external resistance. So that could be like weights to me would be a barbell, but weights would also be a sandbag, or weights would be a weighted vest, for example. Weights would also, technically, when we're talking about resistance, would come under resistance bands as well because i use those a little bit for shoulders and that kind of thing so i, th- I think like let's just remember those you've what you've always quite quite keen to point this this out as well that like strength training or strength is going to come as a result of working against a mechanical or working against an external load let's put it that mm. way so if we are going to lift a weight whether it's 20 kilos of jack always likes to use the, the analogy of 20 kilos of weight or 20 kilos of feathers it's still 20 kilos one of them is much easier to lift because of the size um, and density of the material but effectively it's still an external load which we are using to create a strength style or strength type adaptation i'd like to see someone to create progressive overload make a dumbbell out of feathers that would be interesting yeah i don't think it'd be so heavy um (laughs) no but make a 20 kilo dumbbell but just out of feathers it just might be very big you could do that you you, you invest a bit of time (laughs) in that that's that's all you you have that one okay for that Um, so yes, the upshot is, yeah, I do, I do still use, use weights and I've, I've kind of always, well, for a few years have been quite open about this. That I think to, to really build an effective lower body, you need to use external load. The muscles are too big and there are, there's, there's too, and, and they're able to produce, uh, or they have the capacity to produce so much force that mm. body weight training is just not enough from a lower body perspective. If we are talking about strength and power gains, now if we're talking mobility stability, it's a slightly different conversation. But if you want to, if you want to get strong legs, like properly, if we define strong as in sort of um, force output, then you need to use weights for your lower body. Is where my stance is. From an upper body training perspective, I don't really use weights other than a weighted vest and some bands. But I don't do shoulder presses or bench presses or or anything like that. Um, do you use a um, a leg press machine? I don't have a gym membership. <laughs> and I don't have a leg press machine at my house, so no. Would you I, use? I, would, a, would, would I? Would you use it if you had one? There's a good question. No, I wouldn't. I don't need it. Like it's in terms of bang for your buck. If unless you're looking for a specific adaptation in a sporting context, most people wouldn't need to use a leg press. There's, there's far better exercises to choose from before you end up at leg press. Okay. I think. No, definitely good. You could make a leg press machine out of feathers. <laughs> so that's the last way from the feathers. That's, 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 feather. <laughs> that's feather gag. Um, um, what about yeah, then? What about though? In terms of, uh, so I've been doing some work, um, some some fa- some investing in my physical pension. 
um, foundation sort of work on, you know, we've talked many times about the number of like shoulder injuries we've had from rugby, et cetera. And, and those things you still manage um, from time to time. And I've been doing some work where um, not just, yeah, some work has been like with a resistance band um, for sort of like rotator cuff, serratus anterior, some sort of good um, just shoulder health work. Um, and in that, like to utilize just some small, um, we've got a couple of options. We've got like some small 1.25 like discs. And then also we've got, um, and you can get these on the website, the um, little ankle or wrist weight. So you can do things like your YTWs and some of those like uh, pro, uh, prone swimmers for the shoulders where you're just adding like an additional load once you've got comfortable with um just your arm and, and, and gravity if you're going to try to improve that sort of shoulder health that shoulder robustness and you're doing like some you've talked about this before tim you're trying to do like high level strength stuff and our stability training might still be with like only a very small uh, uh weight and even if you think of how do i once i get good why ytw is a great exercise but you know that becomes you know, after a while, two sets of 12 is comfortable or, or 20 reps is comfortable. It's like adding, but because of the length of the arm, you put a little half a kilo or one kilo um, wrist weight on or hold a little disc, like you only need a tiny little biscuit there and it, and it increases demand quite significantly. And I've been using that in my sort of prep movement preparation, warm up uh, parts of my training or on like a... I do like a rest day. It was like a bit of a rest day, but like a deload day where I just do some like low level uh, prehab, rehab style exercises for sort of rotator cuff. And as I say, that um, that gives just that little bit of like additional load to uh, to help with that. And just using that time recently to build that sort of base, that foundation, um, I'm seeing the benefits of that when I then go into try to some you know, harder strength-based work. Yeah, I think the point of this is like it's it's using the right tool for the right job. Yes. So you, you, there's nothing wrong with like using weights. Like I'm not trying to kind of say that that shouldn't be part of a program. Calisthenics is better than bench press. Like, okay, that's probably a different podcast. But um, if you want to do bench press, barbell-based work, then crack on. Absolutely no problem with it. I think the, the thing, the, the question is coming from a point of you mainly do calisthenics, so do you still do weight training? Mm. Now, from an upper body perspective, I don't think I can get anything benef- additional from my own personal perspective and experience from weight training that I can't get from doing bodyweight training and there's a number of different reasons as to why I think that from a just a integration perspective the human movement system perspective what happens to the sh- around the shoulder particularly for upper body based movements when you're doing more closed kinetic chain exercises and on top of that though we say yes we are going to use them for preparation work for activation work potentially but I'm never really looking at somewhere something and go right today's a shoulder press day so let me get on a barbell I would always do my shoulder based work in a pike or elevated push-up type position yeah. just because that's what i enjoy but if you want to go on barbell shoulder press absolutely no problem with that whatsoever now if you want to go down the route of going well what what tool is right to get strong low body that's where i think the weights come in so and, and then and then you start kind of going you've got to get into that and go what kind of strength do you want so for me my lower body strength based work at the moment and because I train from home is more geared towards endurance than it is towards a maximal strength or power adaptation that might change a little bit over the summer but I to, so perfect like in terms of what I've got at home I've got a barbell 20 kilo barbell I've got um, 50 kilos of weight a ten, two tens and a 15 and two fives 
and I've got um, two weight vests, one which was a bit older, so the Velcro is broken, than a new one. So, oh, and I've got a 50 kilo sandbag or a yeah. sandbag that I can put 50 kilos in. So a combination of all that sort of stuff, I've got, an, I've got more than enough weight from what I need to train at home. So for example, if I want to go front squats, I could put the weight vest on, there's my 20 kilos, and I can put the, um, I can use a sandbag at 50. So I've got a 70 kilo front squat. Now, some people would be like, crikey Tim, start lifting, 50, <laughs> 70 kilos isn't very much at all. But then I'll go and do that in an endurance type capacity, or I might go and do it with um, supersetting it or, or whatever it might look like. But I've just got these different combinations without having to have 150 kilos worth of plates which let's be honest are expensive and unless you've got racks and bars and um, so, um, a rack to put it on or you're using benches you get into that kind of territory you need quite a lot of space in a home gym whereas my sandbag is on the floor next to me now I stand it up on its end it takes up like it's about 30 yeah. centimeters across brilliant my vest kind of packs away in the corner and my barbell yeah okay, the barbell is a bigger piece but I got that when Leicester Tigers apparently changed their gym and somebody donated a barbell to me I thought it's a useful thing to keep but would I buy one now probably not I would probably just make do with the weight vest and the um and the and the and the sandbag and the, to kind of just my last point on this one is going okay well 70 kilo front squat might not sound a lot but if I'm doing single leg squats with a 20 kilo vest on, I'm doing all right. Or if I'm doing like um, some kind of like step up based movement with the vest and the 50 kilos on. So rather than thinking, oh, double leg movements, what can I do? I'm going to go, what single leg movements can I do? And now I don't need so much weight to have to overload it. I've got lots and lots of options with the weight that I've got to get a strong lower body. If I start thinking more about unilateral training rather than bilateral yeah. training, so single leg versus double. And arguably the carryover for most people just trying to live a full and enjoyable life without a sport specific outcome if you're going to train lower body you'd be better off doing lower body uh, sorry be better off training single leg exercises because most of your life you're going to want single leg type exercise or single leg type strength yeah. you want to climb mountains you want to go skiing you want to go running all that sort of stuff that's all going to be predominantly done on a single leg or it requires single leg strength someone's going to go snowboarding double leg stability mobility yes yeah. we can we can pick up on that if you want. yeah no, sorry that was a bit of a download yeah, no, no, I, I just good. told you everything it, that's all I've got. i was just I'm thinking done. um i was just <laughs> thinking i mean you talk about single leg squatting with 20 kilo vest on or you know you could chuck the sandbag over one shoulder one of the great things about the sandbags uh, again they're available on the website from heavy um so they're available on scorecardsnets.com website um that they have the the they're in a different bag so you can actually um you can have like a different bag in the bag so that you basically could have like one bag filled with like 20 kilo, another bag filled with 10 kilo. So you could have like a 10 or 20 or put them both together in the one thing and make them 30. So you can, you can play around with the weights of them. And I was just thinking of that single leg squat with a vest on or, you know, chuck a, chuck a 10 kilo sandbag over one shoulder. You got that instability of, or that you know, just abnormal loading or unsymmetrical loading. And then, like, can you, you know, could you do a, could you do a pistol squat with a 20 kilo vest on or a sandbag over the shoulder? Like you tell him, I, I don't, I've not, I've not tried, but I don't think I could, you know, I'd have to no, build I think up I could get out. to do that. Yeah. And you go, well, I don't think I could get out of the bottom of a pistol with a 20 kilo vest on um, at the moment. I think that would be try some very good, very good strength. Um, and uh, it actually brings on nicely to us a question from Dave Rover on who is uh, hiding as Dave Forrester on um, <laughs> uh, who's a virtual classroom member uh, who on who's watching and live uh, on YouTube and has asked um, talked about um, you, you touched on then about stabilisation. Just thought it'd be useful to to mention this of because of, uh, it just rounds off the rest of that the final bit of that question where you said 
well, doing 20 kilo on, on a single leg, like that's probably actually going to be challenging enough. Um, he said he's never been comfortable being tied to machines. So he doesn't like machines too restrictive and not making the body stabilization systems uh, work. So I just thought it'd be nice for you just to round that off, just talking about that. Like why, why is there that benefit of like single leg? Why is single leg harder? And why we don't get that carryover from double leg onto single, but we do from single to double. And most of the things we do functional wise for sports, when we're running, running is a single leg activity. So we actually need to be good on one leg. Um, do you want to just touch on that to round that question off? Yeah, there's a bit, I'm going to try not to get down a bit too much of a hole on this one, but there's a couple of thoughts that have come to mind. So let's just kind of broaden it out quickly and just go for, so from a single leg stance perspective, we're decreasing our base of support, therefore increasing the stabilization requirement. So the hip, knee and ankle now need to work together and the core, the stabilizers and the rest of the chain, but let's, let's think about lower body um, predominantly. They now need to work together to control joint position more effectively. So the stabilizing musculature has to do a better job. If you've got both feet planted on the ground, you're pretty stable. It is by sure, by far, the more effective way to produce high amounts of force is to have both feet on the ground and push it. That's why we can back squat double leg more than we could single leg squat in that in the same position obviously so we've got two two legs working for one but there's this yeah. thing called bilateral deficit so if say for example you can do 100 kilo back squat let's keep the numbers simple two legs on the ground you will be able to do an equivalent movement more than 50 percent on a single leg so it might not be that we choose a single leg um back squat for example like but if let's take a leg a leg press is actually going back to that point is a really good example of that you'll be more than 50 percent stronger on one leg than you are on two now why we we'll kind of stay away from potential why that is and, and that sort of thing but the idea being that if we if we're on a single leg we're having to stabilize we're then starting to link all of this into the chain the system just gets better at what is a more transferable movement into what we're talking about from a human life and enjoyment perspective now, there is absolutely nothing wrong with building real bigger capacity and having deadlifts in your programs and back squats and whatever it might be. But if we're talking kind of bang for your buck for most people, I'd go single leg 10, out, 10 times out of 10. Mm. If I wanted a specific outcome or I want some hypertrophy or it's a sports specific outcome, whatever it might be, then you start thinking about it. But we always start our progressive programs in the season on, on unilateral exercises. We'll always start with this progression from one leg to two as we start to build towards more power and force force outcomes. So it's just uh, it's a really easy thing to kind of, well, the movements aren't easy, but the, the principle is fairly straightforward. But say for, an example would be, um, another example would be like a hip thrust exercise. So sometimes when you're doing bodyweight training at home or with limited amounts of equipment for the lower body, you kind of start looking at your hip hinge and going, well, how do I get that hip hinge um, pattern moving it's quite easy to get squat based movements like you've got your pistol progressions and whatever else but you can go single leg stiff leg rdl is a really good progression and i've got i use my 50 kilo sandbag to do that um you can go um into some nordics which i would do so i put the sandbag the 50 kilo sandbag over my heels and i can do nordics and anybody who knows about nordics will know that that's not an easy exercise to do does the 50 There's kilos of- tim is that enough to keep you you don't find you tipping yeah, no, I'm not great at Nordics, but it's good enough for me at the moment. But what it's I'll strong. do if it gets too light is I'll put the weight vest on top of it. So oh, I've got yeah. 70 and I'm sure that's going to be enough. I'm going to get and Mrs. Jacket's body weight for me. I'm going to get Mrs. Yeah, Jacket's exactly. on my feet. And then the other one, like moving into that max strength conversation, I can't, I'm, I can just about do a hip thrust with the sandbag across my lap on a single leg. So if we're thinking about real pure glute strength, we might mm. do like a barbell floor bridge type movement, like a hip thrust. 
normally might be putting 100, 120, 40, 50 kilos or whatever on it. If I take that to a single leg exercise, I'm getting five with 50 kilos. And that might kind of throw against my um, bilateral deficit type conversation. But if I want to go and do some maximal strength work, I've got more than enough capacity within that to start playing around with it. So I guess the, the, the end of message of this is, yes, we use weights. For lower body particularly, I think it's important and you don't need a lot of weight to get overload and build, therefore build strength in single leg exercises. Yeah. So rather than thinking I need 200 kilos to work towards my deadlift, you actually don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, I just want to, uh, round off by saying the other thing, the other thing I love about single leg work is, you know, for someone, if you haven't got, or well, it's probably too, if you haven't got, you know, additional weight, well, then you can look at trying to explore different ranges. So your pistol squat is going much deeper than a normal um, uh, normal single leg squat. And also you're challenging the, your hip flexor strength and, and hamstring length on the other leg. And then you've got options to explore. If you want to improve your hip mobility, you've got options to uh, to challenge that in some of the movements like the Cossack squats where we're working laterally into really deep positions. And then you've got some of your, um, like your shrimp squats and your... Um, your sissy squats and your your dragon pistol. Like if you could do a dragon pistol, your hips are like and you so say you could do a dragon pistol and a cossack, your hips are in like great shape. Um and you know, and that might not even need additional load for you to work on that. And you're you're then building strength, you're building control and stability on one leg, and you're also working on a little bit of mobility. You're not you're not you only if you just do like heavy back squat double leg, you'll get good at just that one pattern but you probably might not have that many options outside of that is is it, you just become a little bit one dimensional which unless you're a powerlifter and that's the only thing you need to be good at which most people listening to this aren't professional powerlifters and they just need, we need to be good at moving and enjoying our body and running and climbing and whatever it is that you want to do so i feel that there's a load of benefits to that here yeah. yeah i've said before this is my last point and we get into these questions that have come in but um when I when I was screening athletes on a, on a sort of a daily basis, if I got a new athlete that came in and was good on one leg, so if they could single leg squat well, I knew that I'd got an athlete that could, could, was going to perform well on two. I could start ramping that program up yeah. pretty effectively. If I got an athlete who came in who could do a decent body like weight squat with both feet on the ground, but then couldn't transfer that onto a single leg, that was going to be a problem. But I've never seen it the way. I've never have I ever seen a single leg athlete or good, an athlete who's good on single leg not be able to progress in double leg strength effectively. I've seen lots of athletes who are decent with both feet on the ground, but it's shocking when they take one foot off. <laughs> and as you say, most sport is, is a single leg exercise if it's a running-based movement. Yeah. So that's what we actually want to work towards. And I'm sure lots of people listening just enjoy running. Like running is a great Life. free, yeah. yeah, great free thing that's accessible to everyone. Okay, um, questions... I feel like I feel like I can go back to being a question master, which is quite exciting. This is good. Yeah, I'm enjoying <laughs> um, the interaction. So, Liz, this is a little bit of a. Uh, it's uh, um, anyway. She's uh, injury. Um, here's a question. So she's asking this live on YouTube as we go. Um, she's got shoulder impingement on the left side and golfer's elbow on the right at the moment. Will I be? Will I ever be able to do a pull up? Before you answer, Ellie, uh, who is. Uh, He's a very good friend of the scorecast. He's been to Marbella with us. Um, he said he's had it in the past as well. Um, it will it, it will pass in capitals. Trust trust your body, strengthen what is weak. So there's a little bit of um, little bit of interest in that strengthening what's weak. We had um, we had on the podcast recently physio um, from America, the kick uh, Doctor Kickass. Um, I'm going to forget his real name, Doctor Kickass, and he talked a little Mike bit. Yes, talking a little bit about like. 
um, imbalances around the the forearm between flexors and extensors um, and using some isometric work. He really liked isometrics to try and help um, with that. You, Tim, you can share a little bit about, we've got a whole protocol for golfer's elbow in the virtual classroom as part of the ring muscle up program, because it's important to look after those. I think I just want to say, Liz, like to, to emphasize what Ellie said, like look, not only look after your body, like listen to your body. Like there's, there's a, there's a couple of things going on there, isn't there in terms of like shoulder impingement and then on the left and then on the elbow on the right. Um, and you know, probably the first thing we would always suggest is going to see a physio to to get that checked out. If I'm assuming potentially that rather than that being a self-diagnosed shoulder impingement, you you may have already seen someone, but get to see a good sports physio and get some get a proper assessment and get some proper individualized um rehab plan and exercises to do that that someone has physically seen you and looked at you rather than we'll give you some generic, general sort of um help with that, but that you know there's nothing is going nothing listening to two dudes on youtube is not going to be as good as going to see a proper physio good point um so the answer Liz, is yes you will be able to do a pull-up again providing you go through appropriate rehabilitation yeah. phases um so let it like, as, as ellie says that it will pass um golfer's elbow effectively tendonitis of the of the of the um inside of the elbow for people who don't know what it is so i was going to say medial then i just switched it so people understand but if you put your palm facing up it's when you get soreness on the inside portion of the elbow on the bony point and it's part of the inflammation from the from the tendon so it can come from too much kind of like gripping and flexor over activity so if you do a lot of ring muscle up training we're in false grip or if we're just in our pull-ups or row movements we're kind of cocking this wrist ever so slightly to squeeze out a little bit more range we can find that we start to get a lot of tension i actually think it might still be there but i did a little bit of a self-care thing over the summer on instagram stories around elbows as well which you can probably go and find our highlights um yes, real i think it's, it's there, saved yeah, it's on, on there yes, saved on highlights so ultimately, if, I'm, if I start to get a little bit of flare-up of my elbow, what I'm thinking about is starting to drop down the volume in any pattern, which is going to start to um, aggravate it. So we want to yeah. move away from pain. Rest is the biggest factor in giving tendons time to heal. If we continue to train with them, even though this kind of... The thing with golfer's elbow is it's not debilitating pain. You can train with it, but it's just really uncomfortable, mm. and you know it kind of nags away at you. It can, of course, get quite chronic. But if you if you stay away from pain and you start moving through patterns and you're doing all right, you can you can continue to train, but just try and move out of those shapes that are causing the, that issue. Um, as as Jacko said, the best person who's going to give you some advice is going to be a physiotherapist. We're going to need to get some tension out of those forearm flexors. We might have to do some strengthening work on the extensors, and we're going to need to allow the tissue some time to heal. That's kind of like the, the upshot, and there are a number of different ways that we can do that. Now, the shoulder impingement could be linked to the elbow. If we've been kind of trained with a compensatory pattern or something, it could be that those two are linked. It could be that they're separate. Again, a physio will be able to tell you that. Um, and there's a number of different reasons why we might get a shoulder impingement. Ultimately, same kind of thing. We've probably got some level of muscle imbalance. Some things are too tight. Some things aren't strong enough. And what's happening is the head of the shoulder is being pulled into a, a suboptimal position. And it's probably just now catching and grinding within the socket on, on the structures that surround the shoulder. So those things are all fixable. But you've got to kind of just bite the bullet and move to a place of I need to fix these things so I can move forward. I have become, I don't know if I say like militant about this, but I am so on moving away from an injury yeah. like early doors these days. If something flares up, if I'm pretty acutely aware of what's going on in my system, I am on it like 
early. So if I go out for a run and my knee starts hurting, I'm going to, I'm going to start building something to do with that into my program. And it's not all of a sudden stop running. It could be like, okay, Tim, you need to kind of get on your phone roll a bit more regularly and you need to put a little bit more glute strength into your program. And that might be one or two sets of floor bridges a week and some, some kind of a bit more stretching. It's not massive, but these things are so easy to ignore. And what, always always happens if you load a pattern which is painful something will break remember the pain is the brain telling you that something is not very happy there's something going wrong that's how it communicates a dysfunction or an issue within the system oftentimes so we've just got to go and be, be proactive about it but what i can say about tendons is they take a while to heal because of the the decrease in blood supply therefore they're just the, the lack of nutrients and oxygen which gets there compared to a muscle they can take some time they will heal given the right conditions and you've just got to see the course through from the rehabilitation perspective yeah i've got a since we've got some video i've got to, i want to share one um because it's elbow related my left side i've had uh, on and off like some issue around um that golfer's elbow area and um something i was aware of before but really noticed it this uh this week actually um and just to highlight enough or highlight and, and just emphasize what tim's saying there about like when you notice that pain in the past i've had a bad attitude towards because it, it was ingrained in me i believe from from playing rugby that pain if you could like tape it up and push through it was actually okay because we played most of our games i played over 300 games and most of them you're in some sort of pain before you start um but you don't you know when we're when we're not under that pressure to perform in a in a sport then there's no need for us to try and push through things because ultimately particularly liz with the with the golfers as tim said when you aggravate it you it's just like gonna stay there and get a little bit worse and a little bit worse and every time you just keep on aggravating it never goes away i um snapped the tendon on my ring finger um probably well over 10 years ago when i was playing rugby and that tendon goes all the way down to your elbow um and that that's re- one of the reasons why all that gripping work can cause some strain through there and tim talked about like um get doing some release work on those forearms is going to be part of helping relieve that a little bit now i noticed that um I, mine sort of started to, to to talk like twinge a little bit and some pull-ups the other week and i was like right need to get on top of this just exactly like tim's saying um, be a good boy jack and get on top of it and one thing i noticed when i, I I've, I've noticed it when i picked something up because this this I've, as i've snapped that tendon i can't bend it um i never had it reattached because they said it would take something like three months for the rehab to get through reattaching that tendon and they were like it's likely that you'll just snap it again um, when you're trying to tackle someone so i was like let's just leave it but what that means is that tendon it snaps on the inside of here and then it rolls up and it's somewhere around here like the end of it it's all like knotted away and so when i release that it does help and i noticed when i was picking something quite heavy up to uh, this week that when i grabbed it i felt that golfer's elbow like little twinge and i was like oh and i let go and only picked it up with these two fingers that are fine and i had no pain whatsoever and then i like tried to let that finger try and do something and i and i felt it kick in straight away so it was like very clearly linked to this injury like specifically for me and so i'm doing some getting some release work on that tissue is like helping that but being able to identify what's going on staying away from the things that hurt it and then uh, doing some work to try and um you know relieve that and release that is you know you will get through that is then my encouragement so don't don't do the thing that a lot of people have done and i've done in the past is like you just put up with it and just try and get through it and it'll be okay like you need to you need to take action and do something about it. and as tim said the earlier we can take action with any of these things the better that's probably like the 
best bit of advice you're going to get around managing injuries and pain. Yeah, I've just seen Liz's comment that she's waiting for the physio to open yeah. post-lockdown. So, yeah, it's a difficult time to be injured at the moment. Um, one thing I would just say, Liz, is like have a look at those exercises. Try and get some tension out of the forearms. Um, and the other one that's like, I'm going to steal it from my nutritionist at British Swimming, Steph Brown. Um, collagen for tendon repair as a oh, supplementation yeah. is, is what we would normally prescribe. So it uh, might be worth having a little look at the, at the evidence behind using collagen supplementation to help the tendons to heal up a little bit. So, um, But, yeah, get on that massage. The, the massage is the killer is the kick is the real one like get some tension out of it and stop it from pulling on the tendons and when you're training don't train through those painful patterns so hope that helps oh and yeah we've both had a lot of injuries in the past and we know it flipping sucks i hate being injured so we feel your pain is um octavio d'angelo if i'm pronouncing that correct uh tavio tavio is that what you said tavio tavio i think i said it'd be italian maybe yeah d'angelo um question i trade this is live on the youtube uh so thanks for those listening live and um and asking these questions i train the lower body twice a week in the gym upper three times in the park should i turn one of those three days of the upper body training into the gym using weights objective is strength by the way I know Tim's going to, the, the answer is going to be, we're both laughing because it's going to, de- the answer is, it's going to depend, right? What do you want? That's the answer. If you want, if you want, if you're, say, and just to give some context, if your upper body strength work is because you want to do a handstand push up or a frog to handstand, then we would recommend doing training that's specific to that. So rather than doing shoulder pressing, you're doing frog stands and pipe push ups because it's, there's a specific adaptation that you need. So the said principle, specific adaptation to imposed demands. We want to be doing, yes, shoulder press is going to help for your shoulders, but there's nothing more specific for like a frog to handstand than training those actual frog to handstand um, patterns. If you enjoy lifting weights more than you like doing bodyweight training, then like the, then then go for that. But it would, my 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 thing on it would be, yeah, it depends on what you want and what do you enjoy doing. Um, if you enjoy doing calisthenics more um, and doing bodyweight training more, and you, then then you don't need to go to the gym. We've just Tim's talked about this whole home gym setup that is that he's got. You don't, we don't need anything like I've. You know, neither of us go to the go to a gym, have a gym membership anymore. Spent over a year now, just purely only ever training at home. Um, and actually, to be honest, I love it more than ever. Um, I, I wouldn't go I mean, back if the gym was open. I'm going to put something out there, Jacko. I am now currently training quite regularly, it's fair to say, because I've got a new routine that might get disrupted when the new baby arrives <laughs> in the house. However, I'm making a plan for it. Um, I'll be quite possibly in the best shape I've ever been in Ooh. in about three months' time. You reckon? Yeah. Nice. That's a big statement. Training exclusively at home. Yeah, it is. Well, I've not been in very good shape before. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> <Just that. laughs> I'll flash, we'll flash some pictures. I'll flash some pictures of uh, so that's what I'm thinking anyway. I want to put it out there. I think the best shape I've seen you in was bef- when we filmed the original Muscle Up ebook. And there's a picture of you stood. Um, it, it's behind it, you. Were, we were, you was doing like a handstand. You were going to do a straddle handstand on the on the grass, even though we were filming a Muscle Up thing. But um, and it was from behind. You were just stood there, and I was like, Harvey, take that phone, <laughs> like shoot that. <laughs> like it wasn't supposed to just take a picture of you standing, but it just looked sick. And there's. Uh, yeah, you was in very good shape then. You're gonna be better. You're gonna be in better shape than that in three months. Yeah, unless my world falls apart over the next kind of six months. Mike's gym in Marbella, October. Are you going? Hopefully, 
look out well we're going to be there hopefully aren't oh we? no sorry uh, yeah, I meant uh, going yes we're going I meant are you we're going, going? I, thought, well, when I, I thought I thought you I thought <laughs> I was invited have you have you booked your flights <laughs> I thought can I, can I come to my own trip to Marbella no I meant when I was, I was it was like are you you're going I meant as in are oh, you going after it like that's what I meant as in you're going after oh, I don't know I say these things all the time <laughs> and something something crops up and gets in the way I'm gonna but, I'm, I'm happy to say be, in three months time I will definitely not be in the best shape of my life I just, right. I think I've just, I think I've probably. You've hit that peak. Well, I don't know. Uh, different. It's, actually, it's defined define best shape of your life. Because um, it's. I'm over, yeah. I'm over 40 now, but I just think, I, I think, I, okay, let me reframe it. I think I'm in three months time, providing I can continue my consistency, going to be in the shape that I am most happy with, that I've ever been uh, most great. happy that's with. A, that's a good one, yeah. I could, but I could go with that as well. Actually, I could say I could happily say that because yeah. my my objectives and what I want my body to be able to do now are different to what it has been in the past. Mm. I definitely won't be as well, strong let... squatting <laughs> as I have yeah, been in the I, past. I was going to say, let me caveat that that it definitely won't be the biggest that I've been because those two things are yeah. But don't, different babe. Now. But don't let me. I did. That wasn't me. I won't, don't let me pee on your parade. If you want to say you're going to be in the best shape you've ever been in your life in the next three months, like go for it. Put the hammer down. Go after it. Well, but invest in your physical got, pension. Got, don't don't push it too I've hard. Got I've got a plan. I've got a plan. I've got a question that Dave asked that I want to just touch oh. on because I think this could be our last one, Jack. Yes. Just conscious of time. Yes, conscious of time. Of course. Um, so is Dave anyone still Rover. watching live? Ooh. Yeah, there's. Oh, I had a question. 30, so can I? I've got. Can I ask a quick one before I forget again? Um, um, like, how many kilos of feathers do you think you could get in your sandbag? Uh... As a rough guess. (laughs) You could give a serious answer to a stupid question if you want. I just forgot to ask it earlier. 4.2. It's interesting though, isn't it? Like you could cram And the ostrich feathers. They'd be expensive, wouldn't they? I was just thinking pigeons. Big though. Oh no, sorry. No animals will be harmed. This is just a joke. Anyway, move on. Probably quite weighty. Anyway, so the last last question. (laughs) Not going to put actual pigeons in my sandbag. No, that would be... Don't... Um, they, on to Dave Rover's <laughs> Dave question. Dave Rover. Um, He's getting all the questions. When you've reached the limit of resistance body weight, um, oh, I'm going to admit, Dave, you've got, if I'm going to read this out raw, you need to, you need to, I need to read it properly or you need to type properly. I'm not quite sure who, who, where the error lies at the moment. When you've reached the limit of resistance body weight provides, oh, it was me, sorry, you needed a comma. Uh, in a particular movement, do you automatically look to add external weight or look for a more challenging form of that movement? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, I liked that. That was a very good question. Sorry, I've, I, Go on, Jack, I jumped. Go off on this one. I jumped the, and I jumped the gun, didn't I? Let's take this as the last question Ooh, for today. Nice pronunciation from Octavio D'Angelo, by the way. Just uh, Dave is like one eighth wannabe Italian. Only getting some congratulations on your the forthcoming arrival of the baby. Know, it's, it, it could be disaster. We'll <laughs> <see>. <laughs> right. Um, also, um, some, uh, someone said made a very good point that nutrition is very good, important for uh, joint and tendon strength. So thinking about yeah, anti- somebody actually said. Yeah, John. John Paget actually said that he'd taken collagen. Yeah. And so I was right. Thinking about anti-inflammatory style diets, there's things that you can put in your diet list to help improve that. Um, and, you know, you, you, a lot of that sometimes comes down to some of like your turmerics and your ginger, some of those types of spices. Um, or there is a whole section for that in the nutrition and health course that uh, you've got inside the virtual classroom. So if you haven't looked at that, do check out the uh, nutrition health course done with our uh, in partnership with Michelle Meinking, who's uh, works in professional sport as a registered dietitian nutritionist. So um, she, as we say, done in partnership. 
all of the good information in there is 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 from her. I just chat to her a little bit at the beginning to intro it. <laughs> um, so um, I just wanted to highlight that because not a lot of people know that that is available. That was a new thing we did last year. Um, right, it's Dave. Um, oh, right. So again, so annoyingly, it's gonna it's gonna like depend, um, and it'll probably be a little bit different between you and me. I at the moment probably edge more towards looking for a more challenging form of the movement um, in terms of, because I just, I've spent a long time with being very tight in the hips and hamstrings and stuff that um, my desire is to improve that. And so I'm more interested in using that as my form of progression rather than just adding additional load all the time. But saying that, the caveat is that when I add some additional load to some of my like bog standard movement patterns, like my single leg squats and things, as we've already talked about, building a little bit more strength with some overload of weight helps with the like extra range of movement that I'm trying to create. So the two sort of go hand in hand, but for me at the moment, my focus is a little bit more towards the mobility and, and challenging with the type of movement rather than just simply adding an additional load. Like I've got one thought for you, Tim, right? I something that's gone through my mind is particularly since we've been talking a lot about investing in your physical pension and what do I want to be able to do when I'm older and like I still like to be able to do pull-ups and things like that even when I'm like really really old I'd like to be able to do a human flag when I'm pretty old but I'd still like to be able to do pull-ups and I think about like if I if I'm stronger at pull-ups now that's obviously great and going to help with that but say I'm like 70 and I'm still training like god willing I probably I'm, I'm thinking I might be wrong I'm thinking I don't really want to be doing pull-ups with like weight I just feel like that's just going to be a bit like over the top so I'm sort of thinking well do I then really need to do pull-ups with weight now um and the answer could still be yes but it's just a little it's I think it's an in, it's been an interesting question I've been asking to myself again well if you don't want to do that then in the future um, then maybe you could work on lots of different pull-up variations, if you like, rather than going for additional. And even actually, um, you're talking about that single leg tick change into single leg squats. Well, I could do some um, single arm progressions, which actually is going to give me plenty of overload, but without having to use an additional load. So, um, yeah, a few random thoughts after. But the question originally was about lower body, wasn't it? Uh, just more around like what when you when you add load. Oh, so it weight. wasn't lower body specific? No, I don't think so. Yeah. No, I'll go for a more um, challenging movement for me. Yeah, I kind of, it, it goes back to Jacko said, it depends on what I want. Hmm. So if I, for example, okay, so here's an example. I've been working on fairly basic patterns recently of vertical push and pull from an upper body perspective. So with those at the moment, because the general focus is just a little bit of hypertrophy, a little bit of volume, just those I am starting to get overload with by adding weight because I don't want to change the movement pattern. I've yeah. got pipe push-up variations. I might add um, range of movement is typically where I go. So, if, for example, my Wednesday shoulder session has got elevated pipe push-ups in there, feet on my bar stool, and then f- hands on the par- parallel bars. So I'm moving down through that full range of motion. And now I've also added load to that movement as well because I'm, I'm seeking that overload in that pattern. I could have taken that to um, something on the rings, which is I've got those in my week as well. So yeah, there's, there's a combination. It depends on what the adaptation is that I'm, that I'm looking for. Mm. So I'll do both. But typically at the moment, my training is more about overloading through intensity of weight or adding weight through playing around with percentage one repetition max intensities rather than seeking specific um, 
adaptation through more complex movements. I am training early in the morning and I like the simplicity of the basic movements to come in and be yeah. challenging myself with quite advanced um, progressions at that time of the morning is, is just, is not, I'm not there yet, but yeah. I just, that might change in the summer when the lights is lighter in the morning and I can get outside possibly, but we'll see on that one. Um, so my last point, Jacko, let's wrap up with this yeah. one as you're talking about with like, I think you, you question about, um, do you go weighted pull-ups now or do you go movement variability now based on what you think mm. you want to be able to do when you're 70? Yeah. I think all, lo- all rows lead to Rome. Is that the right phrase? Is, I think yeah. you, could, you could probably do it either way because I would just look at it and go, how much capacity are you building? Now, I think the benefit of doing weighted work is it's going to shift you more into potentially a more neurological adaptation. Having said that, if you can only do three archer pull-ups, then that's also going to be more neurological <laughs> yeah anyway than than um uh, than working higher rep ranges so i think both would be of benefit um and i think you could probably attack it either way and what i think you probably say if you could do four or five different pull-up variations quite competently for six to ten reps or you could do one pull-up variation with an extra 25 kilos around your waist to be honest i suspect you're probably gonna end up in the same place yeah probably the bigger question is am i gonna get fat when i'm older and the heavier, no, I don't that'll think make so. the pull-ups hard. <laughs> I, just gonna I think you're going to get smaller. Just get skinnier. You and I, just get skinnier you and I are going to be like those like shriveled up old men, a bit saggy. A shave... Something that used to look like pecs, but now just look <laughs> yeah. like a floppy 80-year-old moob. I shaved, I've shaved my beard for the podcast. and um, It looks better. Well, just, but it also but it makes my face just look skinny. Um, anyway... Um, Dave uh, did have a comment said in the comments. Only 22 characters on the chat, so he wasn't wasting the, any characters with, uh, with pronunciations and, and commas. Well, um, look, Dave, we've learned a lot today. We we've learned how to get this thing going. Yeah. We've learned that we can now stream live on YouTube, and we've learned that I probably need to pre-read the question before I actually pronounce it live. But um, we, in terms of the podcast, Jack, this is great yes. because we get the interaction. You and I could probably sit here and chew the fat yes. all afternoon. But there's somebody listening to this in their car, like sat in a car park at Asda. They want to get out, <laughs> but they don't want to turn it off. Then we're 50 minutes in, and let's say 10 minutes of that was bumbling around trying to work out why they couldn't hear us, which I actually have got to say, I've found out why they couldn't hear you. Oh, it's because as the person me. with the, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd accidentally muted your mic as I was frantically clicking around trying to fix well, things. So we will... at least we know that works. That for, I can now censor you like Donald Trump was censored good, yes. in the election. Should, um, can you turn my volume it? down as well? Um, uh, well yeah, hopefully we can edit someone listening to this um, back rather than it being the live recording. Hopefully we'll have edited all that bumbling around in the beginning out so they won't necessarily have got who that. knows who knows we'll see we'll <laughs> see leave it in there it's all good content well I've enjoyed this it's been lovely yes. to have the uh, the interaction there are people I mean I don't know if, how many people I can't see how many people have joined us but I'm going to say it was a success yes I can say there's uh, we've still got some people with us now that have lasted all the way to the end so thank you guys for watching um, this is like a back to our roots jacket yeah. so we started with the Q&A now we've gone back to Q&A we've just leveled up a little yeah. bit because now we're doing it live which rather is rather than just in a exciting. coffee shop <laughs> with loads of background yeah, I know, Cafe Nero <laughs> something banging around a, a, 
grande cappuccino. Um, Keith says, "Great live, lads. Good. Glad you enjoyed it." Dave said, "Fantastic. It's been a, it's been nearly a one-on-one with Dave. He's been actually hogging the uh, hogging the." Uh, Keith's the in my book club, Jacko. Is he good, Keithy? Yeah, good lad. He sent in um, a video for uh, video analysis actually for the VIP members. Oh, well done. Uh, next week, so uh, we'll get on to that. Anyway, I'm just yeah, now. If anyone's listening to that, and they are not, a vi- and they are not yes. in. If they're a VIP member in the virtual classroom and they are not accessing the video analysis section or support that Jacko so brilliantly provides, sort it Get out. Yourself. Let me tell Get you, video analysis board. is the most valuable tool if you are to get in overcoming a a, a problem. The, the, the results speak for themselves, Jacko, don't yeah. they? The amount of 100%. people. 100%. You see the difference that, that people make when they yeah when they see they see themselves what's what's gone on. Let alone like getting the input from from us as coaches giving feedback. Some uh, we share some of those uh, snippets of those on Instagram. So some of you will have seen them where there's like lines drawn on the video and the voice of talking over the top. That's the type of thing. That is the thing that we're. That, that VIP members get access to. So if you are interested in accessing that, then get in your VR, get yourself a VIP membership at Scorecast. And you can test it out for free on a seven-day trial, like any of the memberships inside the virtual classroom, and you get access to everything in terms of all our programs for the virtual uh, for VIP members. And obviously, you get that video analysis, which is a great tool and benefit. Um, so if you have any questions for a Q&A style and you can't join live, email them to us. Either email tim at schoolcardsx.com and say, I've got a question for the podcast, Tim. Um, if you can remember the algorithm, you have to pay some sort of compliment about how much you love the podcast and then you can ask your question. It's more likely to get answered. If you listen to this one and you start your email with Tim, I just wanted to comment. You're looking in the best shape <laughs> yeah. I've ever seen you. I, I can't imagine what you're going to be like in three months. <laughs> then you're, <laughs> you're basically definitely, on. We'll get you on on video. You can come on as a guest. Um, if you can, if you do that, you can ask more questions than Dave Rover has. I know he's a nice guy, so he might, might, might be having a little bit of a, a joke on that one. No, I, thank you for that. Yeah. He did not hog it at all, as he has no. mentioned in the comments. We loved the in- engagement oh, and interaction. And he's got a VIP membership. He's not just on the standard. Yeah, he needs to utilise it. Um, let's get off. Let's get, get, get off the airwaves. My, my email, David at scorecardsets.com. If you want to send it to me, um, there you go. And um, we look forward to seeing you next time. Tim, hit them with that sign off. Until next time. Keep exploring your physical potential with movement, strength and play. Class dismissed.